I'm actually going to ask Mario to come and share a testimony uh, that goes along with our Nehemiah series. If you are here for the first time, uh, we began this series from the book of Nehemiah talking about how God rebuilds our walls. And we've had different members from the church just share how God has been working in their lives. And Mario has a wonderful story as well, so I'm going to have him uh, share that. Uh, <laughs> good morning. Thank you for... Rich, thank you for your introduction. Thank you for opening uh, the doors of, you, of your church here in, in Vancouver. Uh, yes, we have some history together, and uh, it's a blessing to be here among you guys. And um, uh, the, uh, a month ago, when we arrived here, Rich was talking about that you guys are doing the series of Nehemiah. I have been studying the, group, the, the book of Nehemiah for the past six months. Like, I have been bringing me there. So as soon as he talked about it, I was like, Oh, I would like to share. I would like to share about Nehemiah. And uh, <laughs> so I was very excited when he said, hey, I would like you to, to share. I'm like, yes, yes. So I hope so I do a good job. <laughs> Maybe I'm too excited. But um, I hope so this can bless you. And, and this is my testimony, uh, my own testimony. So let us uh, start with prayers because I don't want you to hear me, but you can hear the Holy Spirit. Okay? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, God, for... For your love for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you move the mountains. And uh, even for us as a family, it's, it's a dream to be here and do this church planting and, and knowing that God will be open, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for Five Stone Church, Lord. I ask you, Lord, that you continue increasing membership and growth, Lord, not only in this city, but in many, 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 many cities, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit and be with them, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, that you, your name be glorified at no moment. Lord, talk to our hearts. And I speak to our minds. Jesus praise. Amen. Amen. So um, I, I want to share from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, uh, that would be great. Uh, I will share the first seven, uh, from 714, seven verses. And, and from there, I will, I will relay my story, how they relate to the story. So, ready or not, we are here. But when Sambalat and Tobias and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the bridge were being to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plot together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said that the strength of those who bear the burden is failing. There is too much rubble by ourselves. We will not be able to rebuild the walls. And our enemies said they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop them the work. At the time, the Jews who live near them came all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lowest part of the space, behind the wall, I opened places, I stained Stationed, stationed the people by their clans, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wife, and your homes. Um, just to give you a background, uh, in chapter one, uh, we we basically start the story of, of, of the name Maya. He was a copper in Susa, now Iran. 
and, uh, and he was in the court of the king. I will suppose he was a very pamper, uh, but he, suddenly he heard the news about Jerusalem was destroyed, and his heart started burning, he started becoming sad, he, and the sorrow that he has in his face made the king saying, what is your problem? And he shared that the walls of Jerusalem was broken. And the funny part is, he never have grew up in, in Jerusalem. He never have seen Jerusalem. But as soon as he heard the destruction, he started crying. And the, and the Lord put uh, grace on him. And the king released him to go to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. So in chapter 2, Nehemiah inspects the wall. He has a call. And now he was, is learning how to fulfill this call. But also the, the chapter introduces a few people. Sambalat. Uh, Tobias and Geshman, the Arab, the enemies of, uh, of Nehemiah. These people were not happy. They were not happy that somebody is coming to rebuild this city. Chapter 2 gives us a, a description of the task. Uh, basically, the dwellers who were living inside of the city of Jerusalem and the people who were living outside of Jerusalem were coming together to rebuild the wall. Okay, this is kind of like the summary in two, min two minutes. <laughs> so, but when, I, I don't know if it happened in your life, like every time that, that you are doing the best thing and you have been called to the Lord, the, the enemy starts arising. Something starts happening. It doesn't happen things in the way that they happen, but it's a rise. Chapter 4, the position increased. Now it's not just Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arab. Also we have the Ammonites, the Ashdites. All of them plotted against. But the funny part is that the, the Word of God says, they're plotting to cause confusion. Confusion. It, 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 they don't want to kill them. They just want to come to cause confusion. So I, I, when I was, I was reading this, this chapter, it came to my, to my mind. This is a clear picture of something that happened in our life. Whenever we are called to do something, especially for the kingdom of God, opposition rise. Try to push us back or to our corner of comfort to our comfort zone. I don't know if you noticed that. When, when you're, like, for example, I was seeing people here worshiping. When you're calling to be worshiping, the enemy said, no, you cannot do it. No, better, it's better you sit in the back. The back is better. Don't, don't go to the front. They want, the enemy wants to bring you to your comfort zone. But God wants to, because he knows you, he wants to bring you up. <clears throat> Every time that we are moving forward, the enemy arises and roars. And this is the part that we need to, 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 it's clear in the New Testament, it talks, the devil roars like a lion. The word, the key is like. It's not a lion. It's like a lion that scares. Anyway, so uh, now this is part of me. That's not in the Bible. But, uh, <laughs> for example, <laughs> so I, 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 a couple of years ago, I received uh, the offer to be, become a pastor in this uh, international congregation in South Korea. I was so excited to set the position, but while I was praying about it, a pair of, con of condemning thoughts came to me. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize. I'm reading it because if I don't read it, we can be here for the next four hours, okay? <laughs> so it's not due respect, it's not, I'm not prepared, but I want to focus. We can be doing, starting the second service in the evening. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so as you say, I was saying, so when I received this news that they want to uh, uh, allow me to be the pastor of this congregation. Two condemning thoughts came to my mind. And the, the, these thoughts were, how can you be a pastor if you don't have your household in order? 
And I was like praying, I was like, what? And then the second thought was, can you be a pastor if you have not provided for your family? And, and those thoughts started bothering me. I was very surprised. I began to struggle. I feel conflicted and confused. I started to feel the accusation finger, but I knew that was the enemy. I knew that wasn't God who was trying to condemn me because he doesn't condemn. I feel discouraged. So let us tell you a little background how I get to this point. 21 years ago, I fathered a daughter in Peru. I love her deeply, and I was so proud to be her father. She was gorgeous. As she grew up, we will go to church together. I will bring her with me to the fire station where I volunteer as a firefighter. We will spend so much time together with people from my church. She was a great blessing for my life. Um, so, yeah, this is my daughter. Okay. When my daughter was three, my relationship with her mother went south. I was completely cut off from my daughter, and I wasn't allowed to, to see her again or be in contact with her. With her. <clears throat> they changed my daughter's name and even changed her birth certificate. She was told that a new man in the life of, his, of, of her mother is her father. It was as if I was erased with a marker. But she could never be erased from my life. I carry my little girl in my heart. However, I release her into the hands of God. I pray for each day for her. I carry her pictures around. Each time that I return to Peru, I will try to find her, but with no success. I even know her new name or, or have any contact information about her. However, there was an aunt who kept in touch with me. Every couple of years, she will send me an update picture of my daughter. Uh, she, and she always will tell me that she was like in my ways. I behave in the same way. She jokes around as I joke. Anyway, I will put the photo in my, in my home and I pray for her every day. So I need to take a pause here, okay? Since then, many things have happened. First of all, I become a Christian. When I have my daughter, I, I wasn't a Christian. I was whatever. And... <laughs> Yeah, I still don't know what I was. Uh, <laughs> uh, I became a Christian. The Lord call, called me to serve him as a missionary. The Lord opened the doors for me to study in America, in Bible school, and then seminary. I married my wife and have two children. But the most important, the Lord healed my heart about this situation. God has spoken to me about my daughter and promised me that he will be taking care of her uh, if I was willing to step in faith and release her to his care. The Lord began to help me to rebuild my walls, but the enemy was not happy about it. He didn't want me to accept this position as a pastor. He wanted me down in my comfort zone. I believed that whenever things began to look well, Sambalat and his misfits rise to attack us. In some cases, Sambalat and his companions take the form of our thoughts, our feelings, our fears, our friends, <laughs> co-workers, and the list can be going on and on and on and on. However, we need to be mindful of his strategies. We need to be like Nehemiah and those who were building the wall. Let's read. In, in verse 15 of Nehemiah chapter 4 says, When our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plans, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on constructions, and half of, uh, half of them held the spears, chills, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were built on the wall. Those who carried burden were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand 
and held his weapon with the other. And each of, uh, and each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sound the trumpet was beside me. So Nehemiah and his, and, his, and his people knew about the plan of Sambalat, that it was coming to destroy, and he will be prepared. He didn't stay in his corner saying, okay, we need to wait and defense. No, he said, no, we will continue working. But I will have my, my arm in my, in my hand. So first of all, we need to be mindful of our, our surrenders as the strategy of the enemy. We need to be alert at all times. And that is one of the problems that I feel that many of us have. We are not alert a whole time because things start happening, happening and happen, and you start feeling happy and everything starts working and you kind of like your defense, you start going down and down and down because you, oh, everything is going well. But we need to be mindful that we need to be armed, uh, especially with the Holy Spirit. You know, the, in, in the New Testament, talk about the armor, the armor of God, the armor of the Holy Spirit. We need to keep it in place. Uh, and be ready to combat the enemy at all times. Therefore, through all the process for me to accept the position as a pastor, I was in prayer, seeking for his direction and remembering his promises. In the end, I accept the position, and I believe that I did a good job taking care of his flock. However, once in a while, <laughs> the enemy tries to sneak in and poke me, but the battle didn't finish, but God had a victory. The church flourished. People got saved, get baptized, and, leave, and their lives were changed. Now, let me recap my story about my daughter. <clears throat> Last year, I traveled to Peru um, in May uh, to visit my mom and also continue try to, to find my daughter. Not having her name, but using only a photo, my brother-in-law found my daughter through Facebook. Uh, and somehow he had the boldness to send a, a, a message to her, and she started talking to my, to my sister. The next day, we met in a Starbucks in Lima. I remember my daughter, my beautiful 21-year-old daughter. After, at first, she was scared and very defensive. She had never heard my name or have any idea of the event. Her name and even a falsified birth certificate indicate that another man was her father. The funny part is, for the past two years, my daughter, she's not a Christian, she's not a born-again believer, but she has been seeking God and praying to God and said, I want to have a relationship with my dad. At that time, she saw that this other guy was the dad, but this guy divorced the mother a long time ago, and he disappeared but he was praying that she wants to have a relationship with her dad. That is her, her prayer. She told, me, she told me that. But as <clears throat> our conversation continued, her defensive walls crumbled. I showed her pictures, and I had from our, our early years, at the end of our first meeting, she shared with me that, that now that she has found me, she would like to have a relationship with me and my family. Soon after our reunion, I need to return to the States, but we keep in, in in context, through phone, internet. In one of these conversations, I told her that she was a blessing. That surprised her. <laughs> and, I said, and she said, a blessing? No one has ever said that to me. All her life, she had been told that her being born had messed up things for her mother, that she was the reason that her mother had not fulfilled her dreams. Her mom has told her that her life had brought great pain and sadness. As tears streamed down her face, 
I told her the opposite was true. She was great blessing that the love God, uh, the Lord have loved her so much. I, I told her that she was a warrior because in some point her mom wants to abort her, but for some reason, God, uh, <laughs> didn't happen. So uh, I, I started telling her oh, how much, how important she was for God. I told her that when I was cut off from her, I entered in a deep depression. I drove to the point to kill myself. Yet the spirit drove, the, the spirit drove me to Jesus, who transformed my life and filled me with hope and joy. And Jesus changed my direction of my life, brought me to my marriage with Janine and to have two children. This year, I had the privilege to spend Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, and a lot of time in person with my daughter. Also, I introduced her to the rest of my family, my church family, and she had to spend a lot of time with my kids and wife. This was amazing because I brought her, uh, I brought her when she was three to the church, and uh, because that, by the time I become a Christian, I start coming to church, I will bring her there, and we have all these meetings, like the New Year's and the Christmas, we will have it at church, and everybody will come, you are Margie, we have been praying for you, oh, I'm so glad that you are here, um, and my daughter will like, uh, uh, hi, uh, and she will tell me, that was very overwhelmed, that everybody will tell her, and they will describe her when she was little, she have her curls, and she will say, ah, you have this dress, and you have that. And basically, everything validates everything that I have told her, uh, things. We, I brought her to the fire station. Many of my friends said, oh, she's your daughter, that's so great, blah, blah, blah. So she was very touched by this. Thinking and praying for her had been a blessing for my life and beyond. And now seeing her again and be able to share the love of God was one of the greatest blessings of my life. She's a great blessing. But God has done a miracle and has given me a second chance. Remember that I mentioned the Lord has rebuilt many my walls? He has rebuilt one of the hardest walls to be rebuilt, and, and I believe that with all my heart. He has rebuilt the wall of the broken or lost relationship, and he can do it for you too. He literally has turned for me my morning into dancing. He has loosed my sack, sack clothes and clothed me with gladness. And, and this is the picture, that, the first picture that we have together. Yes, uh, that, that was the first. And it was incredible because I said, hey, do you mind to have a, to get a picture for my mom to see you? And she said, sure, sure. And she was so happy. She hugged me and she kissed me. And that was weird. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we Christian kind of like, we don't have other people. But in this time was that she, actually something that she wanted to do. She wanted to hug me. And she asked me, and similarly, it was in New Year Eve and Christmas. And she will hug me like a bear hug. Now, she's kind of tall of me. And, and she will grab me and I'm like, and, uh, and she will start crying and crying. And she will say, I have been praying for this moment for so long. Now I feel love. And, and, and I think that God has done something so miraculous for me. I, I, and, and I think that God wants to do it for all of you, for all of us. Over again, we as a human, we normally break relationship for many reasons. Some, sometimes because we say something, another person misunderstood it. Sometimes because we move from town to town. Sometimes because we finish uh, college and we return to our hometown, or the, vice versa. We leave our hometowns and we go, and somehow we have hurt somebody. And God wants us to rebuild some walls in our life. As same, he wants to destroy some walls in your life. 
those walls that are not convenient for you, but he wants to reveal that. So thank you for listening, and I will be praying for you guys. Great. Mar was so excited he didn't share the final photo, which is beautiful coming together of a family. These are things that only God can do. So, yeah, thank you again, Mario. So I want to continue on with part two of the message here, and I want to call out three particular verses for us. In Nehemiah chapter 3, uh, the Bible says that there was these people that were tasked by God to repair the towers. Malkajah and Hashbud repaired the tower of the ovens. Palal repaired the tower projecting from the upper house of the king. And after him, Pedadiah and the temple service repaired the projecting towers. My message is going to be around becoming a strong tower. 2 Corinthians 12 says, Paul speaking, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And then Solomon said in Proverbs 18.10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. You know, as we heard, when God rebuilds our walls, our weaknesses become our strengths. And many times our weaknesses become our greatest strengths. They become the towers in our walls. How does that happen? Well, we just heard a beautiful story. And Paul says that it's the grace of God that is sufficient for us, that in the midst of our weakness, that we are made strong. When we rely on our strength, our own ability to repair ourselves, we often fail, no matter how persistent we may be. We don't understand ourselves like God does. We don't know ourselves like God does. We don't know how we're wired like we think we do. Why is there an industry of psychiatrists and counselors and life coaches? It's because they are skilled to a certain level to help see inside of us. We need someone external to us to see inside and to objectively see what's going on. We try to self-diagnose. Many times we do it improperly. We can't get at the root problems. And we become so damaged we can't even lift up our heads, let alone heal ourselves. We need a physician. And this is where Solomon's words come in from Proverbs. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. It takes the grace of God to transform us from weakness to strength, from hurt to healing and devastation to wholeness. But the key is running to God and not away from Him. What does it mean to run to God? It means to move in His direction. It means to change course and to turn around so that we're pointed at him it means to put our faith and trust in him only when we cut ties with our own confidence and put it into God do we enter the arena of his grace faith is God's one of the most powerful weapons that he has given to us for our lives Ephesians 6 Mario already referred to it all the armor that God has for us we need to be alert we need to be spiritually awakened we can't be lethargic. We can't be passive. And one of the armor pieces is the shield of faith by which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy, the accusations, the belittling, the wrong perception, the lies that come at us. They will begin to erode our confidence. And that's what the enemy wants to do is to rob you of your confidence so that you can't be, as it was in Mario's case, a pastor when God is inviting you into that position. The shield of faith repels the arrows of the evil one. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of those who 
in faith, did exploits for God. Abraham was called the father of faith, a whole nation, a people of faith. We are now that new nation. We're called to be rooted in faith and sustained in faith and to continue to be vibrant through faith. Salvation comes by faith. Our eternity hinges on faith. Now, when we talk about faith, we're not talking about gritting your teeth and saying, yes, God, I can do it. Or yes, God, you can do it. Or God helps those who help themselves. How many people have heard this saying? I hope you know that's not in the Bible. It's not even close to being in the Bible. It's a Sambalat voice mimicking what God's voice is, but it's not God's voice. God says if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. We sang that this morning. It's not about grinding, it's about trusting. The way that God teaches faith, it's meant to be a child concept. But we turn it into an adult concept. It's complicated. It can be convoluted and even torturous at times. We get so messed up in our heads in how to work out this faith thing. But God's concept of faith is meant to be childlike. You trust like a child. Why is there such a thing as stranger danger when we talk about kids? Because they're trusting. They don't think that there's anything but goodness out there. Why is it when we offer a child a popsicle, they will take it immediately? Because they don't have any sense of harm or manipulation. They just enjoy it. They just take it without reserve and without a second thought. That's the kind of powerful faith that God is talking about. When we run to God, we're talking about having that childlike faith. God, I need your help. Papa, I'm hurting. Right here. I'm hurting. It hurts, Daddy. Please help me. For Mario's daughter to just hold on to Mario, say, this is what I've been praying for. There's something deep within us, in our very core, that's yearning for that unconditional love, that place of safety. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. We run to it, and we are safe. When Mario fathered his daughter out of wedlock, and was cut off from her for 18 years, he lost the apple of his eye. The pain was so deep that Mario had thoughts of suicide. I'm a failure as a dad. I'm a failure as a man. I'm disqualified from serving God and being a pastor. And what could turn Mario around? The simple act of putting his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God gave Mario a promise. He said he would take care of Margie if he was willing to step up in faith and release her to God. That's a big step of faith. But God, I don't have control anymore. Release her to me. God was rebuilding Mario's wall. Actually, he was turning that crumbled part of the wall into a tower. Our greatest strength, our greatest shame becomes our greatest, our greatest weakness, our greatest shame becomes our greatest strength and the most prominent part of our wall. And that's what towers are all about. They're the tallest, most visible part of the wall. They are what people see and what they are drawn to. And this is God's intent for people to be drawn to the beautiful towers. In fact, here's what happens when the name of the Lord becomes our refuge. I want to talk about four things quickly. Number one, we become a watchman. Before when we were in the dirt, we were always face down. Now we see like never before because we're living at higher elevation. That means we see when the enemy is coming. Before the enemy trampled us down, but now from our perch in the tower, we can see the enemy from a mile away. 
And we can alert the city, alert our people, our tribe, our family, our friends. Don't go there. Don't fall into that trap. I've been there before. I know the danger. I know the shame. I'm here to protect you. You become a voice of protection and care. We see like we've never seen before because we now live in a high place. We live in a place of healing. We're not rubble anymore. God has lifted us up. Faith is being in the upper room. That faith is what makes us strong. As a result, not only have we been delivered, but we get to help deliver others. A second thing that happens is we become a warrior for others, a fierce warrior. You're not going to let the enemy breach the wall. You're not going to let the enemy get into the city. And even if they do come close, you're going to shoot them down with arrows, pour hot oil and tar over them as they try to climb the wall. No one's coming in here, not to my church, not to my family, and not with my friends. Over the last month, we've heard four testimonies, each one so personal and so powerful. In week two, Hannah told her story, and Pastor John had people come up to receive prayer from Hannah if they had experienced something similar. This is a really key principle. Where we have been healed and rebuilt, this is where our greatest anointing is. Where we've been delivered, we are able to deliver others. In fact, in the not-too-distant future, we're going to incorporate a new feature into our red carpet time. We're going to implement specialty prayer lines. If you've had a problem with smoking, we're going to have people who have been delivered of their addiction to pray for you. If you have panic attacks, we're going to have people who have been delivered of panic attacks to pray for you. If you have fish allergies or lactose intolerance, we're going to have someone pray for you who's been delivered of milk tolerance and fish allergies. Amen? Jesus said, freely you have received and freely give. He has poured into you so you can pour into others. We have been blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. Do you see how powerful this is? Your tower helps someone else build their tower. Healing begets healing. And the momentum just continues to grow. Third thing that happens is we make our community of faith stronger. Towers are connected to the wall. These towers are not built as standalone structures. They're built right into the wall. There's no independence here. There's no lone rangers. We need each other. You make this family stronger. You make this fellowship stronger. You make this church better. One of the biggest strategies of the enemy is to separate the sheep, disperse the community, get people isolated, alone, and disconnected. And this is exactly what the enemy has done in Vancouver. The latest statistics about faith have just come out in 2019 about our city. This is the most stunning statistic. 3%, only 3% of British Columbians attend a service once a week. That's an epidemic of faithlessness, of disconnectedness, and independence. And let me challenge you right now. If you happen to be here this morning for the first time in weeks or months, if you're part of that 3%, I invite you to get going and to get reconnected. You need to start coming to church every single week until Jesus comes back. I'm not joking. Every single week. If you're not connected to the wall, the enemy will take you down. Last point is that we become a witness for God. 
In Old Testament times, in Nehemiah's times, the towers were built over the gates and in the corners. They occupied the most prominent places in the city. They were the most visible part of the city. That's what stuck out. They were witnesses to the strength and stature of a city. You go to Europe, you go to Israel, you look at these beautiful walls and these structures and your eye just naturally goes to the tower because they stick out. They speak of the strength. When people hear your story, the people say, so that's what happened to you? Your story is a witness of God's power. You are God's tower. No one can take that from you. No one can rob from you what God has done. Your testimony tells the world a builder is here. Those burned stones have been turned into something beautiful. God is that builder. He reconstructed you. Our tower is a God story. It's our evangelism. It's our pulpit. You may never get up here to share, but you have a pulpit. You have a rooftop on which to shout, God did this in my life. Never shy away from that. Always be bold about what God has done in your life. That is your story. Don't ever back down because of the fear of man. Don't ever let someone gainsay you or resist you or belittle you. It's just the Sambalats and the Tobias that are barking in your ear. So what? They lose. We've read the book. So you keep declaring what God has done in your life. Mario shared with us the deep sorrow he felt at losing his daughter, so much that he fell into a deep depression. But what did he do? He ran to the Lord. Put his faith in God. What kind of faith? That childlike faith. You know how many people have made really bad choices and big mistakes in their life? Mario knows. But he also knows that God redeems. Do you see those happy pictures? I was rubble, but now I'm a tower. That's why Solomon said the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. So that's the call of the Holy Spirit this morning. Run to God and not away, and he will rebuild your wall into something mighty. Father, we look to you right now. We thank you for the testimony of Mario. We thank you for the lessons of Nehemiah. We thank you, God, that you want to build us into a strong tower. We thank you that that whole process is so simple. If we will just turn and move your direction and trust in you, you will begin. And if you're here this morning and you're in that process of turning to God, if you're in that process of running to God, I encourage you to fully do it. Maybe you've been resisting. Maybe you've been holding on. And maybe you've come to the end of yourself because you've tried so long and it hasn't worked out. Today is the day to say, God, I release it all to you. Take my burned stones, take my rubble, and make it into something new again. Father, we give thanks to you. We thank you for your grace. Holy Spirit, would you pour out your grace on the many people in our city that need your touch. Lord, for the thousands of people that walk the streets in these last week, they need a touch from you. Use us, Father God, to be just vessels of healing and hope and care that we can be rebuilders of the wall as Nehemiah was. We thank you now in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. God calls us because he wants to rebuild our lives. 
God calls us because he wants to help fortify our lives. When we come to that place of knowing that God is for us and not against us, we know that God wants to rebuild us and not tear us down. God is, is there to help us get through these things. There's a couple things that, that really stuck out to me this from Mario sharing as well as Richard sharing. One is that God sometimes uses comfort as confusion. There's one thing that really hit me where sometimes we run into things that are comfortable, but the enemy is using that to confuse us from who God really is. And that the lion roars like, it roars like a lion. And sometimes the thing is, God is described as the mighty lion. And when he roars, the fear of the Lord comes into us. And when he roars, it's a calling that comes. But the enemy will mimic that of a lion to instill fear where we are afraid to step out. And what are we afraid to? We are afraid to step out into the presence of God who is a true lion. Third thing is that when God, when Rich talks about us being a tower and that God wants to build us as a tower, the tower has a couple main functions and purpose. One is for defense and that God wants to defend us for us to see. A tower is built on a high place. It's for us to see all around us to know where the enemy comes from and how God how the enemy wants to take us down second the tower is a beacon it is a it's, it is a place where they proclaim is a place where they shout out what is coming and it is a place where we shout out the gospel into the nations and so the tower ha has a high vantage point for that purpose that God wants us to make sure that we have towers in our lives so that we know what comes and also for what we could project into the world. And last but not least, we have a prophetic team that prays and it was brought up to my attention that they got a picture of Humpty Dumpty. And sometimes we are like Humpty Dumpty sitting on a wall and we fall down and we break. And in Humpty's Dumpty's case, nobody can put him together again, but God can put you together again. And in that picture, she said, God is protecting us together with Gorilla Glue. Funny, funny image. But it's what's strongest out there right now. That God wants to repair our lives. That God wants to put us back together again. That is what this Nehemiah series is about is that sometimes even when we are attached to the wall where we feel safe in God's hand, that sometimes we still fall and that we still break, but God still wants to rebuild. God still wants to put us back together again, and that's what this is about. So let me pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that your grace, your mercy comes and falls upon our lives, and Lord, that you build Re, you rebuild everything in our lives from broken relationships to brokenness in our spirit to brokenness in our lives to brokenness in even our purity lord i just pray lord that you restore a holiness into our lives by us running towards you so father god i just pray that you teach us how do we live according to your word with both a trial and a sword lord that we could rebuild with you but learn how to fight off the enemy with you as well. So, Father God, we just come towards you. Lord, may you pour your spirit into our lives. May we be a blessing towards others as we uh, encounter them. And so, Lord, we bless you. We bless each other. And may we be a blessing into the world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you guys next week.